What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Run the Damn Pod. I'm your host, Jordan, joined, as always, by Darth Cowboy. <clears throat> For those who are wondering, Darth is still rocking his pearls because he is still a bad bitch, and the Braves are still World Series champions. We'll never get ever saying that. The first championship from a, an Atlanta sports team in my lifetime. I, I'll give Atlanta United their due, but um, for, for me, this one hit different. So go Braves, chop on, keep chopping, looking forward to next season. And looking forward to some hopefully good things in the future for Georgia football too, though I'm not going to put that kind of pressure or that kind of bad mojo on them like some folks in the media are doing. We're just going to take it week by week here, run the damn pod. And speaking of week by week, we're going to dive in this week, as we always do, to the UGA game, some of the action from their win over Missouri. going to take a look at my game of the week, my CFP predictions. I'm done doing overrated and underrated because, honestly, number one, the AP poll isn't coming out anymore. Um, and number two, the CFP committee obviously has its head so far up its ass that they don't really care what I think about underrated or overrated. I think everybody um, in the college football community can can agree that the rankings from last week were controversial, to say the least. Um, so I, I'm not even going to bother with doing overrated or underrated teams from the CFP committee. They're going to they're gonna do their own thing. But I'm going to tell you what I think the CFP should look like each week. If you're on Twitter, that won't surprise you. Again, if you don't follow me on Twitter yet, go ahead and follow on Twitter at Run the Damn Blog, same handle as on Instagram. So you can keep up to date with my takes, my tweets, my retweets, my Instagram posts, though they're becoming few and far between at this point. The Twitter is kind of taking over, so make sure and follow if you guys haven't already. We're also going to check the stock market this week on the pod. Check out my players of the week get into a couple of hot takes and my picks as always. So strap in, like I always say, if you're not a Georgia fan, feel free to skip ahead a couple of minutes here. You're not going to offend me if you don't want to listen to me um, complain, boast, whatever you want to say about Georgia football. Um, tends to be a little more complaining than boasting around here, but that's just what I do. That's my brand. We're sticking to it. So Without further ado, going to go ahead and jump into the Georgia-Missouri game. Um, 43-6 win for the Dogs at home. Huge win. Obviously already wrapped up the East last week against Florida, but nevertheless, nice 9-0 and start for Georgia, undefeated in conference play to this point. Got Tennessee to wrap up the SEC schedule this coming weekend. So see if Georgia can get through it unscathed. I remain unconvinced, as I always do, but you guys know me. Um Take that with a grain of salt. So into last weekend, and I have to start off with getting Jermaine Burton and Arian Smith back was absolutely massive. I think even a bigger deal than I expected it would be. Um, Jermaine Burton and to a, to a lesser degree, Arian Smith, I think he's a little less utilized than Burton is. Um, but those two are kind of the trigger for the explosive plays, and they bring that explosive gene to the Georgia offense, really no matter who's at quarterback. Um, bring those two guys back just had a massive impact. You could see the shots taken down the field increased starting late in the first quarter with a fourth and sixth deep ball to Arian Smith in the end zone. I think that play call alone from Todd Munkin tells you all you need to know about the confidence he has in those two guys, in Arian Smith and Jermaine Burton. To let loose on a fourth and six within field goal range in the first quarter, down three to nothing to Missouri. To throw the ball into the end zone, deep ball in that situation is really, it's ballsy to say the least, but it just tells you the kind of confidence that 
uh, Todd Munkin has in his receivers. It's not something we've seen him going to Kiaris Jackson, who may not be fully healthy at this point, to Brock Bowers in situations like that, where it's kind of a tipping point in the game, obviously felt confident enough in the explosive nature of a guy like Arian Smith. Two more deep balls down the field to Jermaine Burton early in the game as well. Um, Burton having to get back under a ball from Stetson Bennett at the goal line. I do think if JT's in a quarterback, he leads Burton, and that's a touchdown. But what do I know? Um, you know, say no harm, no foul. Georgia gets into the end zone on that drive anyway. But I just think if you watch the game, the explosive plays were there, and having Jermaine Burton and Arian Smith back, and to a degree Marcus Roseme back healthy, having kind of your full stable of wide receivers outside of the obvious pickings. Blaylock and Eric Gilbert is huge for Georgia's offense. Burton and Smith add another dimension to that offense that you just maybe don't get with Lab McConkie, Darnell Washington, um, and Brock Bowers. And by that, I mean speed and the ability to stretch the field. So really good to see them back. Another thing I'd like to hit on is Broderick Jones at left tackle in his first career start. Stepped up big time. Um, he was not perfect all day, not necessarily in the run game at least. But as a pass protection left tackle, I think he's a perfect fit for Georgia. And if Sawyer comes back, if his injury is not you know, season-ending, if it's not serious like Kirby Smart is saying, then when Sawyer comes back, you can kick him back into left guard, which is his more natural position anyway. Keep Roger Jones at left tackle. I think that's kind of the offensive line setup that you're going to want to see from Georgia the rest of the way. It gives you the best of both worlds with the road-grading run support you get from Jamari Sawyer in his more natural position at guard. And some excellent pass protection from your young five-star Broderick Jones at left tackle. So I think that's a huge step for Georgia in the right direction to get their offensive line kind of settled in as we come up on the end of the season and as they start playing in their SEC championship game and then potentially bowl and playoff games after that. A um, little bit on the Georgia defense here. Um, kind of an uncharacteristically poor performance from them defending the run, um, which we've seen now in back-to-back -back weeks, the run game able to kind of start making some headway against the Georgia defense here. I think part of that has to do with teams establishing the run and being dedicated to the run, teams like Missouri, who really do want to run the ball on you, especially with two mobile quarterbacks that they were playing this week. And then Florida as well, who is obviously a run-first team with Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, and their staple of running backs. So part of it does have to do with comp competition being dedicated to the run. Still not something that I think Kirby Smart would like to see or the guys on the defense are pleased with. They're taking that kind of that bend-don't-break defense into the run game right now. Um, I don't necessarily expect that to continue, but it is something to watch, um, especially as we head into Tennessee against a really high-powered, fast-paced offense that may not necessarily be known for running the ball, but can certainly do so and do so effectively, especially with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. One thing to note as well is the secondary, which was a huge question mark for Georgia coming in of the season has really turned into a strength. Guys like Darian Kendrick and Keely Ringo are establishing themselves as some of the premier corners in the SEC. I don't care what anybody says about Keely Ringo. Man didn't play a down last year. I'm not tolerating Keely Ringo slander around here. He's made a couple little mistakes here and there. By and large, he's covered him up with solid tackling, sticky man coverage, and learning on the fly. And at the end of the day, you can't argue with results. He's yet to, I believe, yet to give up a touchdown this year. He's not gotten burnt since that South Carolina game that I can recall to mind. 
Um, and even in that South Carolina game, though he did get burnt and did have a couple pass interference calls, they really weren't able to capitalize on it. So Georgia's secondary really turning into a strength. Having Chris Smith and Dan Jackson rotating at strong safety seems to be working well. Lewis Seen still proving to be one of the best uh, safeties in the country. And Darian Kendrick not hearing his name a lot, which, as I always say, is great for a corner. Maybe not putting up the interceptions that you'd like to see, but he's being effective. He's doing his job. And the secondary really has turned into a strength moving forward to Tennessee this weekend. I do think, as I said, the defense is going to need a little more discipline on the mobile quarterbacks, both in tackling and in keeping their eyes on them. I think that's where you start to miss Adam Anderson a little bit. Not going to comment on that situation, but he is such a great quarterback spy and so versatile across the line of scrimmage. He can play the star position. He can play at safety though. He really hasn't much. He can play a defensive line. He can play a linebacker, and he's so great at spying the quarterback. If you look back to the last couple seasons, he's kind of been the designated quarterback spy when we play a mobile quarterback. So missing him against Missouri, I think, was a pretty big blow. So need some eye discipline from our younger guys going into that game against, like I said, Tennessee and Hendon Hooker. Um, Be a big test for these guys. I think that the strengths of Tennessee's offense match up really well with the weaknesses of Georgia's defense. What I mean by that is the deep ball um, has been, if you're going to point to a weak point for Georgia's secondary, it's been the deep ball. They can get exposed there. And then mobile quarterbacks, which traditionally have been a strength for Georgia. They haven't let them do a whole lot this year. Um, they've kind of started to get some headway, make some headway against Georgia this year. Um, So if you're pointing out any weaknesses, again, weaknesses I use very relatively when it comes to this Georgia defense, but the strongest points of Tennessee's offense match up with some of the weaker points of Georgia's defense, the deep ball and the mobile quarterback. So I think Kirby Smart knows that. I think he knows that going into this week, the preparation is going to need to be focused on that. Um, And getting a win in Neyland Stadium, which is never an easy thing to do, especially when you look at how, uh, I hate to use this word, but cursed UGA teams have been in Neyland Stadium in the past. So interesting game coming up this weekend. Um, Like I said, last conference game for Georgia. No, they're looking to end on a strong note before heading on to Charleston Southern, Georgia Tech, and then the subsequent SEC championship game. So all that said, let's move into my game of the week this week. A um, couple great games. I, the, the Alabama-LSU game actually ended up being a better game than I think most would have expected, although I, I did predict LSU would cover the spread. Just saying. Um, but my game of the week this week, and not just because it vindicated my hot take, but UNC beating Wake, really entertaining game, big fourth quarter comeback from the Tar Heels, and really eliminates the ACC from playoff contention. Not that Wake Forest was ever really in it, but any slim chance they had now definitely out the window. Um, You know, to see a blown lead from a team not named Texas this year is actually kind of entertaining. 14-point lead in the fourth quarter for Wake Forest. Um, Carolina's offense kind of came alive at that point, although it was alive all week or all game. Um, they kind of started to to put the pressure on Wake Forest, which they ended up not being able to take, broke down a little bit. Um, like I said, it does hit my hot take, so I do appreciate that for the Tar Heels. And the offensive firepower was on full display, so really entertaining game to watch, which I don't typically say out of the SEC, or the ACC, I mean. So credit to Sam Hartman, credit to Sam Howell. Um, great performance from both of those quarterbacks and a really entertaining game from Carolina and Wake Forest. Moving on from that, kind of going to dive into my CFP predictions, like I said, or CFP, my personal CFP rankings. Again, let me distinguish that these are not predictions of what the committee will put out. Um, this is also not a prediction of what I think the the final CFP rankings, the final playoff will look like. This is as it sits right now. If I was in the room, 
vouching for the teams with the CFP committee, this is how my top six would look right now at this point in time. So just keep that in mind. Like I said, if you're on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, this is not going to be a huge shock to you. I put this out yesterday, um, along with a prediction of what the committee would come up with. Not going to bother getting into that because, like I said, they've been a bit controversial to this point. I'm really not going to bother with that. Just going to tell you what I would do at this point. So number one, I'd keep Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, I have Alabama. Number four, I have Oklahoma. And then the first two out, number five, Cincy. And number six, Oregon. So diving into a little bit of my explanation for that. Number one, I do still believe, as I said last week, that Ohio State's loss to Oregon is still better than Bama's loss to Texas A&M. I'm splitting hairs here. But when it comes to such razor-thin margins in spots really two through eight, you kind of have to split hairs. I think Ohio State's loss at home to Oregon just barely edges out Alabama's loss to Texas A&M on the road. Part of that is because Texas A&M was playing with a backup quarterback. And part of it is because they they really kind of controlled that game up until the fourth quarter. It wasn't all that close until the fourth quarter. Again, like I said, splitting hairs in a head-to-head, I do still tend to side with Alabama beating Ohio State. But as it sits right now, I like Ohio State's loss a little bit better. Plus, we have to keep in mind that Alabama was the consensus number one before they took that loss to Texas A&M. And as dominant as Georgia's looked, they may have overtaken Alabama at this point. But if Alabama doesn't take that loss, there's a legitimate case that in both the AP and the CFP, they would still be number one. They would at the very least be getting votes and discussion around them at number one. So it's important to keep that in mind while I do have, because I do have them over an undefeated Cincy and an undefeated Oklahoma. It's important to remember that this was the number team, number one team in the country and have really looked the part since their loss aside from the blip and the radar over or against LSU. Close win, rivalry game, not going to hold it against them. And like I said, over Cincinnati, Oregon, and Oklahoma, you're not going to convince me that Bama loses to any of those or that on paper, Bama's not a better team than any of those. So that's kind of my justification for Alabama at number three, and I could see them at number two, regardless of what anybody says about them not deserving it. I could absolutely see Alabama as the number two team in the country. Um, at number four, Oklahoma is still an undefeated team in the Power Five. I know it's not been convincing at times. I know even with Caleb Williams, it's not been convincing at times, but he has looked like the best player in the country at certain points this season. They're undefeated. Um, if you wanted to slide Cincinnati in over Oklahoma, okay, but I still maintain that Oklahoma is a power five team that's undefeated. That's hard to do at this point in the season. They have beaten big 12 teams like Texas. Uh, They've got Baylor coming up this weekend. If they beat Baylor this weekend, I really think you're going to have a hard time keeping them out of the top four. So I do still like Oklahoma at the number four spot. Although if you were to slide Cincy in over them, I would not hate that. Their win over Notre Dame is a boon to them. And I'm not a group of five hater in the least. I just do believe that Oklahoma, regardless of what they've shown on tape, is still a really good football team that can make some hay in these playoffs. Um, So, again, like I said, with the college football playoff committee – I'm really not sure where their head's at. I'm not sure what they're getting after. Having Oregon in there at number four doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I just, I, I don't see Oregon as one of the top four teams right now. They have not looked dominant in any of their wins. They're lost to Stanford. I do hold over them. The Pac-12 is a weak conference. Um, but again, I'm not going to dive too far into what the committee themselves have done. This is just what I believe at this point in time the ranking should look like. So take that with a grain of salt. Take that for what you will. If you want to see what I predicted um, the 
college football playoff committee rankings would look like when they actually do come out tonight in about 10 minutes. You can check on Twitter, see what I think. But again, um, just my two cents here. So moving on from that, I'm going to check the stock market here. Stock up this weekend, upsets. Um, lots of upsets in the top 25 over the weekend. Purdue beating previously number three Michigan State. Um, I'll I'll take the L on that one. I thought Michigan State was for real. I still believe Kenneth Walker is for real, but Purdue is apparently just upset-minded. Um, look out Ohio State coming into this weekend. I do think Ohio State will handle business, but Purdue's obviously got something in the water, so definitely something to look out for. Tennessee also beat ranked Kentucky. I'm not sure that that was a huge upset, um, but – Anytime a ranked or an unranked team beats a ranked team, I would consider that an upset. So Tennessee over Kentucky and then Boise State over Fresno State, as well as TCU over Baylor. So lots of upsets in the top 25 this weekend. Really fun to see that, especially when it's not Georgia getting upset. So just going to be straight up honest there. Checking in on the stock market and who's stock down right now. I think the group of five playoff hopes are kind of not in the tank. I don't want to say in the tank, but they're suffering right now. Three straight poor outings from Cincinnati. We saw how the committee feels about them coming out of week one. I think it is a long uphill battle for Cincinnati to make it into the playoff. They're going to need some help in front of them, obviously, if those rankings show anything. Um, And especially with Oklahoma having a chance to bolster their resume the rest of the season, Um, I think it's going to be tough for Cincinnati to slide in. They could. I know they're undefeated, but they did barely beat a 1-5 Navy. It took two goal line stands for them to beat Tulsa. Steam talks a lot of crap and then doesn't show up. They show up flat. They come out of the gate flat in three straight weeks. It's a really tough sell for me at this point. I do think if they were to get the nod that they would compete. Um, but I can't knock them being kept out at this point. Their only boon to their resume is a road win over Notre Dame, um, which, while impressive, I don't think is enough to hang your hat on when you're competing with undefeated Power 5 teams like Georgia, like Oklahoma, or even one-loss teams like Alabama and Ohio State. So stock down on that front. The the group of five may get left out again, rightfully or unrightfully. I'm just telling you from my opinion. I can see that being an outcome, and I can see why things would go that way. So moving on from that, getting into my players of the week. I know I give offensive players a lot of love um, week over week, so thought I would get into some defensive players this week. Not because I'm really trying to change things up, but mostly because there were two defensive players that just stood out to me. Um, Watching the Alabama-LSU game, I'd heard it a lot. I wasn't sure if I bought into the hype or not. Consider me, though, at this point, a Will Anderson believer. Will Anderson is the absolute truth. One and a half sacks. You could really kind of pin him two sacks if you wanted to be generous for Will Anderson over LSU. Four tackles for loss. He was all over the field. He is obviously the best player on Alabama's football team, offense or defense, and he can change the course of a game. There were several situations where LSU looked like they might be driving, looked like they might be getting some some momentum, and a huge negative play forced by Will Anderson really just shut everything down for them. I think he's a difference maker. He can win games for Alabama from his defensive end position. And when this man is draft eligible, Number one overall pick, provided nothing crazy happens on the injury front or a lack of production front. Um, Will Anderson looks like the best player in the country right now, uh, quite frankly. I wish the Heisman would go a little more defensive in nature. Look at the Jordan Davises, look at the Will Andersons of the world, because these guys can wreck games. And Will Anderson had an absolutely monster performance over the weekend for Alabama. 
Another one that was just almost, I, I really had to do a double take on this when I saw this stat. Um, Stephen Jones Jr. from Appalachian State, three picks in their game against Arkansas State, two of them pick sixes and a dominant 48-14 to win over Arkansas State. Listen, anytime you pick off three balls and score 14 points in a game on defense, you're probably going to make my players of the week list. That's just a dumb, impressive performance from Stephen Jones. Um, definitely one of those guys to keep on your radar when draft season comes around. I'm really excited about what I saw from him. Yes, I did actually watch some of that Appalachian State-Arkansas State game. I know you guys won't believe me, but do like the Mounties um, and do like what I saw from Stephen Jones Jr., so really impressive there. Moving on to the hot seat, really just kind of an update from last week here. Uh, it looks like Dan Mullen will get another year after his loss to South Carolina. I know there was um, some rumbling that he may be on his way out of Gainesville. It looks like he's going to get another year. One guy that's not going to get another year is Todd Grantham. Third in Grantham is over. Rest in peace. Not sure who they're going to go with here in the future. I, I believe they've got a um, linebackers coach temporarily as an interim calling the plays on defense. Um, but not sure what direction they're going there in the future. But Todd Grantham rightfully out of a job. And if there's any justice in the college football world, he will not have another job coaching college football defenses. Um, I think that that ship has sailed. Florida fans should be doing the Snoopy dance. I do think Dan Mullen deserves another shot next year. Um, but if he does disappoint again next year, he may be on his way out as well. Um, give him a year with Anthony Richardson. See how things go. See if he can get a comp competent defensive play caller behind him. Um, but he, he is definitely, his seat's going to be warm going into next year. Um, and he's going to have some expectations to live up to in Gainesville. So that's kind of my take on the hot seat for right now. Moving on to hot takes of which I am three and two now on the year. Last week's takes, I had LSU covering against Alabama. Um, I'm going to count that as a massive win. Not only did they cover, they kept it within six points, and it was a four-quarter game. Um, LSU might should have won that game again, if not for Will Anderson just being an absolute dominant force on defense. Um, next one, Ohio State winning out and making the playoff looks likely at this point. Um, we will know much more after this weekend against Purdue if they can survive that upset scare and then – they can take care of business against little brother Michigan. I think they're well on their way to an undefeated season in in the Big Ten championship game and probably making the playoffs. So not going to give myself that one just yet, but it's looking likely. And then North Carolina did beat undefeated Wake. So chalk that one up for run the damn pod again. Set three and two on the season, two and zero oh on the weekend. Um, well, we're going to go two zero oh and one, two yes, zero no, one incomplete with Ohio State, but we will keep you posted on that as we go on in the season. Hot take for this weekend, just one, keeping it simple. I think Penn State be beats Michigan. I'm not sure Michigan's all that cracked up to be. Um, I think Penn State is going to be out looking for revenge for kind of a disappointing metal stretch to the season. Um, they really had high hopes in front of them coming out of that Auburn game. I think coming into that Ohio State game, their season was kind of still in front of them as well. Tough fault loss there. I do think they're going to be out for some redemption and take care of Michigan over the weekend. So with that, getting into my trap game, um, like I said, Liberty at Ole Miss was my trap game over the weekend. But counted as a win. Um, not that I necessarily tally these or not. The, the score was closer than the game looked, but... I'm going to count that as a win for me. This weekend, um, you know, I would like to go with the obvious Penn State, or sorry, Ohio State-Purdue as a trap game for Ohio State. 
but I think at this point the the Purdue magic may have worn off, although it's a, it's another one for Ohio State to look out for. I'm going to go with my trap game of the week being te- Georgia at Tennessee. Um, for the reasons I said earlier, I think Tennessee is hot right now. I think they're streaking. I've said all season that this is a moment for Josh Heupel to pick up his signature win in his first season. I think they've exceeded expectations to this point in the season. Despite a 5-4 and four record, I think their offense looks as explosive as anybody in the country. Heupel has made UCF work in the SEC to this point. Um, and I think that Tennessee's strengths play really well against the weaker points of Georgia's defense, not to mention how hard a place Neyland Stadium is to play. It's one of the most raucous environments in the country. It's going to be loud. It's going to be intimidating. And this Georgia team has the weight of expectations on their back at this point. So I think Georgia really needs to look out for this game going into Neyland Stadium over the weekend. That is definitely going to be my trap game. Moving on, last segment here, my picks. Last week's picks ended up 6-1. and one. I did miss, miss on Michigan State beating Purdue. That kept me away from my perfect 7-0 and mark, but I have improved after an abysmal first week of picks since we've been tracking a couple weeks ago. Improved to 13-8 and eight on the season. Coming into this week, the games I will be watching and picking. Georgia at Tennessee, again, not picking that one. I don't care what anybody says. I'm done picking Georgia games. It's not happening. I am picking Penn State to beat Michigan. Picking Oklahoma over Baylor this weekend in a ranked Big 12 matchup that I think will garner Oklahoma the respect that they kind of deserve at this point. Picking Ohio State over Purdue. I do think Purdue's upset magic has run out. Um, I, I actually think it might be a bit of a blowout, but I struggle to even say that because I don't want that held against me. Um, but I do think Ohio State's going to beat Purdue. And I think Texas A&M keeps their SEC West hopes alive beating Ole Miss. Remember, if Texas A&M does win out since they've beaten Auburn now, if they win out and Auburn does spoil Bama's season and win the Iron Bowl, Texas A&M will go to the SEC championship to play Georgia. So something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. I do think that A&M will beat Ole Miss this weekend. I have to see a couple more games. I'm not going to go ahead and pick the Iron Bowl just yet, but I do think, I suffice to say, Auburn taking care of Alabama is not a given, um, but A&M's hopes are still alive. So something to keep an eye on. That's going to wrap it up this week for Run the Damn Pod. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Like I said, like, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. As always, if you need the link, just hit me up. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. And subscribe over at runtheblogcfb.com. Keep up with my, again, ever infrequent at this point blog posts, um, but still like to get some stuff out there every once in a while. So thanks for tuning in. As always, guys, appreciate all the love and support. Uh, Cheers and go dogs.